After Things is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Weird Things. Thank you for supporting this show. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Intermean, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello. Justin Robert Young. Well, hello. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello. Thank you, Andrew. So I have a friend who is a magician, actually had a background in computer science, and very accomplished magician, very, very good technically, very good performer, very good thinker. And a little over, uh, over a year ago, we talked about kind of goals and magic. We had a lot of conversations on goals and magic. And he had said that uh, he he was into the idea of magic competitions, of doing magic competitions. And I've never been personally like a big fan of like the magic competition thing because as a professional that wanted to go out and work in the real world, like the the pathway to that really magic competition was fine to maybe help you get your act in a good shape for something for certain things. But, you know, David Copperfield, Doug Hitting, Siegfried and Roy, that's not the path that they ever took was to try to do magic competitions. And magic competitions are a lot like kind of like it's to me, it's it's kind of like uh, there to performing professionally what figure skating is to being a professional hockey player. Those skills can help you a lot and you could probably be good, but it's very different. Yeah. So he was very much wanted to do this. He actually went and did uh he went and performed on Penn and Teller Fool Us. He didn't did fool him, but he got really good compliments about what his act because he was very clever. And then he had a thing that he wanted to develop. And he was really, really, really serious, extremely serious like this, like like psychotic levels of serious how he approached it. And I'm kind of like, cool, like if that's the thing you want, but it's always hard to understand other people's motivations. And he told me a little bit about what he was working on. And it was an area that I've been interested in. It was kind of cool. And so he worked on his act and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And it, it was part of what I began to understand for him was that he'd spent years in magic, you know, decades in magic. And he wanted to be able to kind of say, hey, this is my this is sort of the capstone. This is what I've done. This is kind of where I got to. And I kind of overlooked the fact like that's what I got out of like my TV shows. Like I got to point I got a TV show and I'm like, cool, done. Cool. I've, I've done. I've kind of got the payback out of magic that I wanted and the recognition or whatever they wanted from it. And I'm ready to try other things. And. It's hard to tell somebody else to say, oh, you don't want the thing that you already have. And yeah, this person, Simon, uh, was very, very dedicated on this. And to the point that like his his life centered around this, but very intelligent, very methodical how he approached things. Long story short, this weekend, Simon won the FISM uh Grand Prix close-up championship. Wow. Which is which is, which is that, that's that's it. That that is that is the the, the, the highest of yeah. magic. Yeah. 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 And you know, I'm like, I'm I'm emotional for this. Just talk about my friend watching how hard he worked at this. And so it was, you know, he spent several years, you know, years trying to get to the point where he felt confident where it was going to be and to go into this is an international competition, are the best, you know, and people around the world trying to do there. And then they have they have like eight different categories and all these different categories. And so Simon, you know, won for close up and then they give this special award if they think that you've done. He did a miracle and I won't describe it. He does a thing. He leaves an impossible object 
that literally he creates the impossible object and people think that he's going to take it away and hide it. Impossible object, so much it is. He hands it out to the judges and walks away. They spent the 200 people crowded around to see the thing that he left behind. And he planned that. He knew what he wanted to do, how he wanted to architect that. To the point that performers got to go on, but the crowd is still in over, awe and over staring at this it. thing wow. that he's created. And just, just because he created a miracle and could walk out of the room and the miracle was still there and people were studying this. And That's so amazing. I I wish I could tell you, I'm like, Simon, you could do this. And I was the voice of constant encouragement to him. I was not. I wasn't discouraging him. But I'm like, eh, eh. But then when I saw this, and I, we, we, I got to hang out with him in the Magic Castle last night and talk about it. He made a joke. He said, yeah, a friend of mine, because like if you went to Simon's apartment, he literally was across the street from the Magic Castle. You would find boxes and bins of books and materials and all the sort of stuff that he was working on it, like a psychopath. And he said, yeah, I talked to a friend of mine. He said, you know, somebody said joke, like, I wouldn't be surprised if I went into your apartment now and it was completely clean. And there was just nothing of that there. Because <laughs> Simon's like, he's like, yeah, I like It's like, yeah, I did it. I did the thing I set out to do. I proved it. I did it. And so. You know, maybe it could lead into something, but one, uh, Simon Cornell, uh, you look him up he, again, maybe we should have him talk because it just did his whole experience of this. He planned the thing out kind of like a heist. He sort of said, like, you know, this is how I'm going to do this, this is how I'm going to pull this off. This is what I'm going to do. And it's going to end with me getting that trophy. So uh, just and it's neat, too. Like, you don't to for me to get much enjoyment out of my friend's thing tells you how wonderful that thing must be. So. Uh, so, so is this is something that that you know, FISM certainly means a lot in the world of magic. Uh, uh, is, is this something for which he is like, like w when you did the TV show, your interest in magic kind of waned, is that kind of the sense for, for him now or. Well, yeah, we'll see. And you saw that was like, that was the, uh, the pre-qualifying, like to get to FISM, he had, he had to win the North American championship and go all the way up. Uh, and also our friend of ours, you know, Shudagawa, Shudagawa, mm -hmm one for was the best uh parlor magician one for best parlor magic oh so, wow but simon got the grand prix for close-up which was really just amazing but shoot also showed up and, and won best for that but for the grand prix grand prix like we said like to win that for the fism competition is just it's only other couple years it is just an exp it is yeah it's like the olympic level whatever uh so your question again was do you think that this yeah has has lowered his his interest in 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 magic in general or, or was fism its own little uh uh not little but but its own massive goal beyond whether or not he wants to take that uh experience and and do more magic stuff yeah i think it'd be it'd be great to probably talk to him because like he he i think he's still processing this mm -hmm. and i don't want to embarrass him but like his for his acceptance speech he just cried <laughs> yeah so it was just you know, understandable. Yeah. And so like, I think it's hard to sort of figure out he, he, by the way, my buddy, Jordan gold, they're the ones that did the magic puzzle, mm. which was, they teamed up with the, uh, the guys behind cards against humanity and exploding kittens. And they made that, that the, the most successful magic puzzle, the most successful puzzle Kickstarter ever, you know, over like $4 million raised. And so he had that hit with Jordan and, you know, that team delivering a great product. And I think for this, it is sort of, there is that sort of epiphany where you kind of go like, if you're, it's I don't smart. I don't mean smart and intellectual because those things can be very different. But if you're smart, observe it, and you have a good feedback loop and you're self-aware, you there's a point at which you go, holy crap, I could do a lot more or a lot more 
bigger things than I realized that I thought before. And and I think he's going through that kind of appreciation because he's got a background in computer science. He's an extremely smart guy. I kept yelling. I'm like, just give up magic. Go into AI. Get an AI. Go into there. But he needed to follow his own path. Yeah. Well, this is what they do on on the like sports talk shows is that the person who's like relentlessly criticizing an athlete, when that athlete then wins, they say, like, well, you wouldn't have got there without my motivation. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, yeah, you know, there's, there's I, no there's no reason why you can't take credit for this. Yeah, I think you would have got there <laughs> without me. Uh, so you can see this this the thing that he made there. It's a an impossible. Like literally, you can inspect it. You can check it out. You can look at every detail about it. And wow, just you know, phenomenal. And it's so. signed. It's dated. Wow, that's incredible. So, yeah. uh, uh, what do we suppose the takeaway lesson from uh, this particular tale is? Is it don't uh, listen to me? Yes, yeah. don't listen to Andrew. <laughs> Uh, I, I think definitely there's something in there about having a specific clarity of vision because I don't think he was mm -hmm. confused at all about what the end goal of his heist was. And he knew, he, and I think that he knew, I had another conversation. There's a bartender there at, at, at uh, the Magic Castle who is a actor. He's a neat, he's a very talented guy, super nice guy, charismatic, good looking guy that you, you find out as an actor, you're not at all surprised. And then I, I flip through to watching TV and all of a sudden I'll see him, you know, on a computer terminal or something like this. So he's just a person that pops up. And I was talking to him a bit about, because he talked about how he went through acting and he went through the point where he was put on a pilot and was going to get the pilot. Then they said, we want to put you as a second. He was fine with this. Then they wanted to change it. And then he just, they kind of went through so many changes and just jerked him around so much. He said he quit. And then he, you know, worked, uh, ran a bar for a while. And then, you know, years later, his, you know, casting agent, really big, famous casting agent, one of the reps came and said, what are you doing? And he's like this, like, no, you need to get back and act. He's like, no. And then he said, you know what? Maybe I do. Cause I came out here to be an actor and yes. I got confused about their role of what, but yeah. the idea, I mean, all seriousness, like he came out to act and like, yeah, you try to get, you get, oh, you can, you have, you can have the carpet yanked out from under you. But if you're just like, no, I just want to act. And if I get the role, great. But if I get to be on set and be around people, that's my goal. And so he kind of realized his, his goal was he just he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to act. It, getting fame and all these things might be great, but that's what he realized. Like, oh, no, I didn't come out here to, to be famous. I came out here to work with actors and, and explore my craft. So I think having that healthy relationship of why you do something is really important. For Simon, it was like he wanted to perfect this to get the same. Can he, as a performer and as a very clever person, take this to a technical level? Can he bring this to the point that it could win the most – the the biggest competition in the world for magic that was his question like can i do that can i and it, maybe if he didn't get it this year maybe two years later he would have you know maybe he still would have wanted to cling to this and then you know with my friend jeff it's like jeff's like my goal is to do the thing i want to do is just to be around other actors so the takeaway is just have a know why you're in it know why you're in it and maybe you're in it to get to a point and then move on to something else or maybe you're in it just because it's going to be a passion that stays with you the rest of your life yeah, I, yeah. the The idea of having a north star, moving, moving, moving toward yeah. it. it. It certainly clarifies yeah. a lot, and and especially when things are not going, uh, not going great. Uh, just knowing, like, okay, well, then today I just take a small step forward. Yeah, and you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to have a grand vision of things either. You can just do a thing and explore it and find. And I would say that. Uh, I would say, Brian, you're in my journey in magic is kind of similar in that sort of thing where we knew we knew what we didn't want to do. 
which was the normal thing. And then we went into performing and we went into that. And then we sort of saw like what was out there for us. And then kind of moved from point to point into now, you yeah, know, now and, you're a broadcaster. I, I think both of us definitely share the fact that we knew that magic was a part of a journey, but uh, not necessarily the, the end of one, uh, you know, uh, there are times I feel guilty about uh, not still currently touring, but you know I've I've also seen how difficult it is to raise a family when you're away from home for so many days out of the year. And then I think uh, uh, ain't nobody respects Johnny Carson less because he at some point stopped doing magic. Same thing with uh, Steve Martin or whatever. Hmm. And I think that that. I, I would say Brian's weird psychology, it still affects him and makes him hard, makes it hard for him to appreciate the fact of like, how many best-selling comedy albums have you done? <laughs> you know, how many of these other things have you done that aren't directly magic at all, but are entertainer things that are just amazing and complicated. Well, and, and I think that there is a bit of bliss in that seductive having a label, whatever that label is. I mean, uh, I, 20 years ago, I got to say, you know, who am I? I am a touring stage magician. How, how do I know it? Cause I do this many dates per year and won these awards or whatever, but now I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, have you guys gone through that? Like in terms of just figuring out like what, what, what your label is or, or do you care? I mean, podcasting has large, has come become enough of a thing that you can say it and people at least know what it is. Like if I say that I podcast for a living, then people are like, Oh, okay. They have successes in their mind for which I can then explain that I'm a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of, but still making a living doing it and, and making a pretty good living. So it's like that, that has helped. That was not the case you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. But now that, you know, you've, you've seen major showbiz stories about podcasts getting acquired and, and, you know, now it, it's become, you know, what mega celebrities will, will get paid to do, uh, that, that has, has helped. So I, I think podcasting is, is easier as an explanation than it ever has been. Uh, what about you, Andrew? So, yeah, obviously it's hard. If people ask me, what do I do? I do stumble because I'm like, what do I say? Because um, doing kind of the, the two biggest hats I wear now are the writing books, which, you know, if you mention, oh, you write books, we go, oh, that's cute. You know, how's that working out for you? And it's like, well, you're like really well uh, by luck. But uh, and then the AI stuff, which is now becoming a bigger thing where I interface with people. A lot. So it's hard because I kind of go like, how do I define myself? What do I say? And so I don't I'm not bothered by the fact that it's hard to define myself. I like the fact that, you know, I can I get a multitask and do these different things. I consider myself very fortunate. But it, but it is a thing of like, you know, what am I on my taxes? I write writer. You know, I just put writer, you know, because it's just an easy sort of way to sort of describe that all. But I. I, it was funny because I ran into I ran into one of the former these kid one of these used to be part of the there's a program Magic Castle called the Magic Castle Juniors and I ran into him and uh, he ended up creating his own playing card company doing really well by that and he, he just sees me from across the room and goes dude so I'm talking to the such and such this film director you know who we've worked with he's a great guy 
And he's telling me how he got access to Dolly to use this. And he had to do a Zoom call to people from OpenAI. And he goes, and one of them was Andrew Maine. And he's like, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's just this funny, like, well, let me catch you up. Uh, since you knew me in the world of magic, you know, things have happened. But it is yeah. fun that the nice thing about being in different worlds is when you see them intersect. You know, you see them connect from one to the other. So, uh, I uh, yeah, I don't have a label. I uh, 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 maybe a year or so ago now, uh, I I I, used, I, I made I, I've made music in the past. I've made a couple of albums and some songs and stuff. Dropped a few beats. Yeah, um, but if I, I, it must be a few years ago now, I had to pretty actively go like, I think I'm done being a musician right now. I don't think I do music right now, and it was very painful because I had a lot of good memories and a lot of good experiences doing it. You know, I learned a lot. I know a lot of, of stuff and there's nothing to say. I can't do it at the drop of a hat, but it, there was sort of just the weighing on me of like, well, you are able to, you have done it so much in the past. You've got websites and you've got them up for sale and all these other things. Um, but the pressure of ha holding onto that label and not doing anything with it or either because I feel like I can't or I won't or X, Y, or Z that way that, that really did weigh on me really heavy for a long time. And it is bittersweet to, to take that action to say, I'll probably just take this sticker off for right now. Um, but it's, it's way better than the alternative, which is just, it's always right there in the back of your head. Well, you the, uh, pun punishing yourself for like lingering expectations of like, Oh, if you're going to call yourself a blank, then why aren't you blanking? Exactly. Um, and, and I, I, it's, it's tough. Cause we, cause I started music as a hobby. I've only really done music as a hobby. I, I would think, um, more or less. And, um, I don't know. We have such this, there's such a, a a strong push to like be good, be better at your thing, um, and that's why I like uh, the the advice of like you don't have to be good at your hobbies. <laughs> you shouldn't have to worry about being good at them because that is such a deterrent if it is not a thing you're staking your life on. You know, life or death. Like, oh man, I just need to get better at this game or this card trick or this what have you. Um, and of course, the more you think that way, the the faster you the, you throttle out any joy you might have been getting from it. Exactly. And so, knowing knowing the goal, right? Um, I'm I'm playing this video game to enjoy myself, not to be the best person in the world at it. Um, unless that's a thing that drives you and motivates you in a way that's healthy. So, you know, sometimes letting yeah. go. I mean, it's a great way to describe it. it. It is a hobbies were easier to understand when everybody had sort of a nine to five and you stayed in it and you had magazines about this woodworking and stuff was like, oh, the thing you do in the evening, it's the thing you do to relax or whatever. But as we we shift to this world where our roles change and our hobbies can become actual more often than before, our hobbies can become occupations. It is it's hard because you feel like you have to justify it. You feel like you have to sort of explain to people, why do you do this thing? Or you'd share it. And people are like, like, you know, if you say you're a writer I'd be like, Oh, have you ever been published? You know, if you were going to ask you this, because we're 
you'd be like, what else is the goal? Oh, I'm a musician. You know, like, where do you play? It's like, I don't know. My basement, you know? And so. Yeah. And I, ne- I, I, I never I, played live. Like I, that's always, that was always a thing that hung on that specific label was like, Oh yeah, I make music. Do you play? No, I don't. It's not that type of thing, but there's, there's expectations, cultural expectations. Yeah, I think that we we is probably it starts with us when somebody tells us or we learn about somebody's hobby just to ask them, you know, about it itself. What do they like about it? What's interesting? You know, what's new for them or whatever? Because I, I do that like in L.A. When you talk to people, you have people who are there's a thing they want to be doing and there's their job. You know, there's this thing. It's like and, and you don't want to go like if you go any other place, any other you know sit, state, you go like, what do you do? it's going to be a lot of alignment there. Like, Oh, I do this, but here it could be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm either maybe they're a musician, but they work during the day at a Starbucks. And so, you know, I always ask them, what's your passion? Like, what's the thing that drives you the most? What do you work towards? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it sounds a little bit nebulous, but it gives people the opportunity to say, Oh, I love doing this because I want to hear if somebody says, Oh, I like to write, you know, mystery novels or, you know, romance novels in the evening. I want them to tell me about that. I want to tell them about the thing they're excited about and not feel like they have to justify it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can eliminate your competition, pushing them off. of That's Justin. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very romantic push off the bridge. (laughs) I ran into a uh, gentleman last night who works at the magic castle and hadn't talked to him. Like hadn't been there two years. And then um, he, he's like, Hey, we, I want to grab lunch. And then uh, uh, he's like, you know, you're the one because he's been excited about it. He's writing, wrote a novel. He says, you're the one that just convinced me, you know, to do this, to could do this. And it, and it was part wow. of me is like, you're I'm like, that's flattering. But also it's like, you're like, this guy can do it. I could do it. <laughs> you know, which <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, it was also that yeah. side of it. We're like, you know, I'm like, well, this idiot can just write a book. How hard can it be? <laughs> so. well, I, I, I think it's less the, the idiocy part, but more like you can't watch somebody go from zero to uh, awesomeness and, and see each iteration and not believe that it's possible. You know, it's it's um, uh, whether it's a three year old learning to take steps or uh, uh, somebody you already respect who's trying something you've never seen them try before and watch them iterate their way to, you know, suddenly there's, there's a photo of their book on times square or what have you. If, you know, for example, hypothetically, hypothetically, uh, hypothetically. who does that? Who could even uh, get that glorious award? Well, I'll throw in there too. Like I would say that one of the biggest lessons that was reinforced for me was we all got into podcasting around the same time. I may have gotten maybe first with streaming when I worked on the Randy show mm-hmm. or early on, but watching Brian and Justin and then and putting in the reps because time in is irrelevant. It's repetitions in a feedback loop to know that you're getting better. That is one of the things I've really just begun to appreciate is just how much, you know, and that, a, a kind of a thing I played later on when I wanted to write books was like, well, instead of waiting, you know, 20 years to write 10 books, write 10 books in a year and, you know, try to get in better. Cause those repetitions, those reps matter. They really, really, really matter. I oh, watch yeah. you guys do a show and I see how smooth you are and how you know everybody's bit. I'm like, well, I've been doing this just as much time, but it's like, yeah, but not like 10 times a week and all that. And there's also the natural skill thing too, but I'll just overlook that. Cause 
Because you have so much of it, so much more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, clearly. He has a natural skill of overlooking natural skills. Timing! <laughs> oh. Uh, by the oh. way, uh, that's been one of my favorite things is uh, my pick is is uh, watching Br- uh, Bryce just crush it at TikTok uh, with the uh, Modern Rogue stuff and with the Great Night stuff. It's just... Um, uh, I it, it you single-handedly Bryce is making me enjoy the, the platform. Uh-huh. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I will say that I will totally co-sign on that. TikTok is a much better platform when every uh, 18th video is you, <laughs> <laughs> edited in a way that is uh, 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 fun and interesting. Like, oh, and that was pretty funny. Like, oh, yeah, look at yeah. that. Look at that. Well, uh, you know what? Then I've that gives me a pick that I can give uh, to our listeners. So uh, I'll, I'll, we, we stream these podcasts out on Twitch and there's an app that I use that makes it, that helps make some things easier to make them into TikToks. Um, it's on the iPhone, it's called Stream Kit. Um, it's, it's very simple, it is not fully, it doesn't have all the features I would love in it, but it's, but it's cool and it works. And it's, uh, it is a subscription thing, it's like, it's like three dollars a month or something. It's an it's like not a lot, but it's um so it, so it's like okay that's I can that, that's that's fine, um but that helped and that having something that can make it very very easy to 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 make clips whether it's making them out of final videos whether you're shooting them on your phone whether you're pulling them from Twitch or wherever um making it easier to do that is the is is the biggest thing um, to getting from point point A to point B on that. So I, I like Stream Kit. They do have a free mode as well if you got an iPhone. So, uh, well, uh, I, I I dig apps that have sane pricing policies. Yeah, and and I, I don't think it's wrong for. And I think now and more and more is often you have to do a lot more support for stuff for people to do subscription based stuff. A lot of people get upset like, ah, why am I paying for a subscription? I should buy it once. I'm like, yeah, but. Now, when you put out an app, three months from now, Apple's can say, "Hey, here's a new update. You got to make sure this app works." Yeah, and yeah. there's, there's, and some things are too simple, like too simple, like why are you even, why did you make this, you know? But some things are very useful, so I think that's fine. Sometimes you get apps like, "Well, we think we're worth ten dollars a month." I'm like, you know what? I get for ten bucks a month, I can get a lot now in this yeah. world. It's a competitive world, and so if your app, it maybe it's worth ten bucks a month, and you'll see sometimes app developers shut down. I'm like, we were worth it. Nobody paid. It's like. Well, a market decided. And yeah, you make, yeah. And, and you got to make me fall in love with you first before you, before you hit me up for $10 a month. Like, like make make a compelling product and then sell me things that make that product even better for $10 a month. That's, that's the thing that always bothers me when it's like, hey, before you even walk in the door, it's this expensive thing. And it's like, okay, well, then I guess I'm just going to wait and see if a bunch of people like you. Yeah. And if they don't, then... Uh, or have a good get, free get mode. Wrecked. Have a good free mode. Like drafts, I don't... I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm an. I'm not in love with drafts. I like drafts. It's an iOS text editor. I like it. Probably wouldn't pay ten dollars a month for it, but it has all sorts of features and stuff that people who do love it and have been using it for a decade uh, will pay ten dollars a month instead of buying it every year. Um, and the free version is just exactly what I need. And maybe if I need more than that, then it's right there. But uh, you kind of have to get people where they are. Yeah, I remember there was a pretty, there was a nice note app that I used and then they switched to like a, a $10 a month, whatever sort of thing. And I'm like, 
you're kidding. Like, you're like, that's, you're like, you're, you're kidding. And then like, there was another writing app that I used. They went to like a $15 per month or something. And I'm like, you're not, you're not that good. (laughs) You know, you're cool, but it's just like, you're not that good. You have to compete with notepad and any scrap of paper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Notepad, notepad's gotten great. Notepad's gotten really good. You know, so. There was a, a, one of my favorite memes is the one with, uh, there's like a, a, a dullard on one side and then a big, you know, like bell curve. And then at the end is like a, a super genius in a cloak. Uh, and then in the middle is everybody else. And uh, uh, it's it meant to symbolize that the very dumb and the very smart both use the same thing. And then it's everybody in the middle that complicates it and makes it super weird. And there was one with like a, a, the, the meme where it was the, the, the notes app for both the dumb person ah. and the super genius <laughs> and everyone else has these like crazy, like notion to docs, uh, uh, to, 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 to Dropbox, to Ulysses, like, like these like gigantic chain solutions or whatever. Yeah. I, I have friends that are like super into obsidian and like have all these plugins and I believe it. I think that for them, it's an amazing thing, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I make a note, pull up my iPhone. There's the note on my iPad. Where is that note? I'll check notes. Hey, there's my note. It's the you know, note. On my computer. Hey, look, notes. <laughs> it's just, it's there. I didn't install it. It's there. And it's just, it's, it's in the cloud. And the Apple finally kind of got cloud saving pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, I, I have a, I have a pick. Uh, I, I really enjoyed a movie. Oh, what movie was that? Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, that's right. Uh, it is uh, uh, Kristen Wiig, and I-, I was unfamiliar with the other lady. Annie uh, Molo? Yeah, that's her. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, I thought this was going to be a more earnest movie than it was. It is very wacky. Very like like uh, Anchorman, Austin Powers level, a uh, a uh, 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 surreality. But in that vein, if you enjoyed those movies, it was the most uh, 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 fun that I have had with a movie like that in in a very 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 long time. So it was a a very pleasant surprise. I would uh, uh, encourage everybody to go to go check it out. Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, it's, yeah, I and, never. And you know, the Austin Powers. Uh, uh, that it, I didn't put it together until you said that, but it does feel very Austin Powers, huh? Yes, and yes. Annie Momolo and Chris Wick, they also wrote Bridesmaids. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So this is this is a a passion project. I would assume that they've wanted to do for for a little, or, or just I don't know. Yeah, so they work well together and. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, boy. Is it? It it goes places. I mean, like th- there's there's you know this element of uh, you know Adam McKay because uh, it it was pre um, you know uh, the the breakup of of Will Ferrell and, and McKay, but like very much in that in that vein. But like it, I guess when you only come out with one of those movies every five years. Then they're gonna be really good. I think it really like like the, their drop in quality only came because they got so popular they had to do four of them every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And Kristen Wiig is just such a talent, just such a talent. And she's she's great. She's great. 
uh, I will say you have to be into Kristen Wiig characters because like there 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 are two of them and they're both very Kristen Wiig. But uh, uh, it just from the very opening of the film, you realize this is a bizarre <laughs> a bizarre movie where where uh, 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 a lot of things can happen, and that is uh, it is well worth your time. I think it was on. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime, Prime Video. I don't know. It was. Uh, 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 if you watch it the way that I watched it, you are on a KLM flight from <laughs> Amsterdam to Austin. Uh, any other picks? I got. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna. I watch a lot of YouTube, um, and it's just. The quality of stuff on there is amazing. I find so many different channels that I like that I just, it's one of my favorite things to do at night is to just sort of sit back, watch something and, you know, listen to somebody who just is really passionate about a topic, explain it, explore it in detail. And just, and I, I think the quality of we stuff we get now there is better than most of the stuff you see produced because this is done by people who are passionate and love and the algorithm is Algorithm is harsh. Yeah. So I will pick one of my random ones here. Uh, I mentioned this before, but a guy who does these really great deep dives into science fiction is uh, Quinn. It's called Quinn's Ideas. And he is super into like three body problem, Dune, all of this. And so he'll go do these really good discussions, very, very deep level. This guy could be teaching a course on science fiction and fantasy somewhere opinionated uh but just just great and so he has these very long tangents on stuff um so quinn's ideas nice cool and it's neat too because he's got half a million subscribers and he's talking about like getting nerdy about you know the dune books or whatever and you know foundation and it's just the fact that we live in a world where more people will watch one of his videos than watch you know some smaller cable channel shows yeah yeah so yeah, it's there's, kind of like there's so many eyeballs on YouTube. It's hard to ignore that, you know. Swimming in balls. Yeah, eyeballs. Yeah. What do we do here, gentlemen? It's been up to your eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> it's been after. <laughs> Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>